beautiful people. It is Isaac and SFU. My name is Soraya. I am the Vice President of Business to Consumer. And I have Gabby here, our Vice President of Outgoing Exchange, and a very special guest. Um, he was our uh, local committee president in 2017 and a um, uh, part of the national committee. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Xander Carr. Uh, nice to see you guys again. I think it's been a been a bit since I first was introduced to you guys and everyone listening. Uh, yeah, I was LCP in 2017 and continued on to the MC after that. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I haven't been part of ISIC for about a year and year and a half, almost two years now. What, what time did I leave? Midway, yeah, almost two years now. So I'm excited to be here. That's great. Thanks. Uh, I'm Gabby. Um, and I also went on exchange too about a year ago with Isaac and I personally loved it. I feel like I gained like so many skills and like leadership and all that. And um, like, I know you want, went on exchange. So do you want to talk about maybe like your favorite part about it or why you like, what made you want to go on exchange? Sure. Yeah. So actually my parents met in ISIC and six weeks into them meeting each other and starting to date my dad told my mom uh, he had his exchange booked for england and so he wanted her to move with him there and she said if i can't move to another country unless we're married so my parents got married indirectly <laughs> because of exchange um after like six weeks of knowing each other so but anyways, they had a really amazing experience. Uh, my, it was my dad who was actually the exchange participant, but obviously my mom got a job there too. Um, and it just totally changed their lives, shaped their life. And then they raised me and my siblings uh, in a similar way. Both my siblings also, uh, well, actually my brother didn't, but my sister went on exchange to Croatia and uh, really, really liked it. So. I knew I wanted to go on exchange. The only thing that was kind of holding me back was I liked being an ISIC member so much. I was afraid of leaving for a semester, but uh, I was finally convinced. Actually, it was my sister who kind of smacked me aside the head and went, just go as soon as possible because as you continue in ISIC, you get more responsibility. So it will be harder to go later than it is to go sooner. So um, yeah, I kind of just decided after my first semester as a member. So this was going into 2015 that I wanted to go, decided in the spring. And then I ended up going to Brazil in the summer. In terms of picking where I wanted to go, I was pretty open-minded. Uh, I knew I just wanted to go to, I knew I wanted to go to Latin America because I'd never been. I'd been to Europe a bunch and Asia a little. So that was just a part of the world that I wanted to see. And they told me I had to be more specific. So I just picked Brazil randomly. <laughs> I could not imagine, honestly, the cross-cultural experience that you had. What do you think was like your favorite experience that you had there? Oh, God. Um, I really, really loved it. In fact, like I, I remember when I was leaving, I, the ISIC members were doing all this training for me about getting homesick and dealing with culture shock. And I had like absolutely none of it. Like the Brazilians were like completely my speed, very spontaneous, always wanted to go out like every night. Um, it was the only thing I didn't like about it was they're so spontaneous. They don't really care about like schedule start times. So for example, for this recording, 
I was like four minutes early or something. And that's pretty common with North Americans to be like on time basically means you need to be early. And there on time means plus or minus an hour. <laughs> so uh, that was the only frustrating part. But other than that, I really, really loved the culture and I got really Brazil sick when I came home. And probably the, the it was the little things that I really appreciated. Like they put me with this, uh, my roommate was an ISIC member whose English was so bad, they were gonna kick him out of the organization because globally you have to be, have like a base level of English, right? To stay. And uh, his English was so bad, they were gonna kick him out. So just being at home with them and learning about Portuguese and um, learning the language and all the like, the miscommunications we would have were just hilarious. Like I just, yeah, I had such a great time just hanging out with them, so. Yeah, the language barrier wasn't a problem at all or? <laughs> no, well, I really like, like I studied uh, communications and I did a little bit of linguistics in my undergrad. So I also spoke French growing up. So I'm really, really interested in language generally. And I saw it as a fun challenge to learn Portuguese. So like all my free time, I was just constantly on Duolingo and uh, yeah, I, I loved it, but it just, it made me learn a lot about English actually. And the accent that we speak in, in Vancouver without even realizing it. Like we often think that we speak with a neutral accent or like no accent, but it's just not true. And so that was really, really interesting. Do you still stay in like touch with the, did you stay with the family there? No, I just stayed with uh, with one person. So oh, okay. yeah, he was a university student, Isaacer, and uh, I stayed in his apartment. Oh wow, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I still do stay in touch um, with everyone. I've got them all on Facebook and Instagram. It's been pretty cool. Like people getting people getting married and stuff. Or my this one guy who we had like uh, most of the EPs at that committee were from other Latin American countries, but there was three of us, me, a guy from Seattle and a guy from Wales. And we were like the Anglo squad. And the guy from Wales ended up going back to Brazil and had a kid and now he lives there. So like that was, I just saw that unfold over social media and I would message him like, yeah, dude, like that's sick. Yeah, so that's been really uh, cool to stay in touch with everyone. Yeah, I can only imagine. But once you came back, you were probably super motivated to get back into your Isaac work. You just gone on this incredible experience. Um, what role did you take on when you got back and how was like the rest of your Isaac and SFU kind of experience? Yeah, so I got really passionate uh, from going on exchange about customer our yeah, customer service basically. And um, the way that we integrate exchange participants locally for two reasons. One was because I really loved the cultural integration stuff that they did in Brazil. I thought it was really um, on point. Like they made sure that I felt like I always had friends there and was part of their family. Uh, and they dropped the ball on a lot of logistical technical stuff that I being a Canadian really value. So getting the correct visa, <laughs> like um, having really clear instructions about where you're supposed to go and when and how to communicate along that kind of uh, that line. So when I came back, 
they created a new position for me in incoming exchange that was what was it called i was like the director of client services or something like that um or customer service or something like that so i was in charge of making sure that the exchange participants who'd come into canada and the clients that we were working with so the businesses were having good experiences whatever i wanted to do with that so i did things like uh launched a new feedback mechanism and process for the the clients and new onboarding and integration stuff for the exchange participants but yeah i became very passionate about that and even though i had started in sales i became really passionate about um customer service and client servicing so account relations that kind of stuff so i ended up running for vp after that for account delivery as a result that's yeah Sorry. super fulfilling like role sorry you go Gabby <laughs> yeah I was gonna say I can definitely relate on that because when I came back from my exchange um, I joined Isaac a little bit after and I like knew I wanted to go either in incoming exchange or outgoing mm. because like going on exchange you like realize what kind of goes into sending participants and like taking people in and like all those like logistics and like I had like a couple problems too so I'm yeah. like I need to fix this for everyone going or like everyone coming into Isaac yeah which is not to say that like it's a it's ever a disaster or something right mm -hmm. it's just there's these small things that you say oh this could be improved uh and make someone's exchange that much better so yeah for sure um, I know that your Isaac journey did not stop there. You continued on to the national committee um, and now on the board, um, but what kind of motivations kept you going with Isaac? Yeah, so I think for me, like um, like I was saying with that story of my, my parents meeting, like in the organization, the other thing that my mom used to tell me when I was growing up was that, uh, her her grandma i believe it was her grandma had to hide her last name because she was german um and she lived in she had immigrated to saskatchewan and if people knew that she was german it was jaeger if she was german they wouldn't hire her to babysit their children because obviously it was like world war ii kind of around that time frame um people were very anti-german for obvious reasons uh so she had to hide her last name and she ended up um, marrying my great grandfather or great, great grandfather who was French. And so to me, that was a really beautiful tale of like people whose countries were at war, but they um, still found a way to get past that and past the prejudice and come together. And that was kind of the reason that ISIC was founded. So when I went to my first ISIC seminar and they told us the story of ISIC was founded after World War II for those reasons, to me, I was like, wow, okay, like that's literally part of the reason I exist is because of that mentality of getting past our political uh, based barriers or, or conflict, right? So throughout the journey, I was seeing kind of what I would consider the starts of those journeys in the exchange participants that I was dealing with or you know remembering the ones that I met when I was on exchange thinking these are people whose lives are now changed right they came from another country they're really gaining amazing work experience and learning about new cultures and you know they're going to be leaders in the future and they were 
that was all enabled through this organization. So anytime I was like really demotivated from the actual work, I think it was that that deeper purpose that I would reflect on. And, you know, it did get really, really hard at some points after I got back from exchange um, where you have to deal with, you know, results not going your way. And especially in my role, when I was a uh, local vice president, there were just some complete like tornadoes, like just going through our year that were uh, really, really big issues. And it was always that mentality of like, well, what are you going to do about it? Right. What's the solution and how are you going to move forward? Cause worrying about it's not going to solve the problem. So reflecting on that, that purpose was a, was a really big key to staying motivated for sure. I didn't realize how many Isaacers had such a deeper purpose drives towards what they do. And I really respect that and think it's so interesting. Um, I do want to hear a little bit more about your national committee experience and what like your responsibilities were. Sure. You did. Yeah. So um, I was the member committee vice president for business development. So to give a little bit of uh, insight on how the national team for ISIC works in Canada, especially it's very, we're heavily reliant on fundraising for our budget. So obviously stuff's a lot more expensive in Canada. So having like an office and being able to host conferences, all that kind of stuff, salaries for the national team even is uh, it's pretty expensive. So whereas other uh, ISIC entities can subsidize all of their expenses through uh, actually doing exchange, right? So the fees they're charging the students and the fees they're charging the companies because they're doing thousands and thousands of exchanges normally. Uh, that's not really a reality in Canada, at least it hasn't been for a very long time. So one of the ways that we combat that is about a third of our revenue annually will come from fundraising. And all that fundraising is done by this MCVP business development. That's the, what the position is about. So it's very different than the other MC roles because I'm not managing a, a commission of um, volunteers across the country, unless I decide to do that, which I kind of quasi did, but um, it's a much more solo role. So it's essentially doing traditional business development, which is like sales, uh, outside sales. Um, so going to meet with companies, pitching them on proposals that have to do with different things, uh, different packages, whether it's sponsorship for a conference where they have different uh, deliverables that they can redeem, or if it's some other type of partnership, right? Basically, I'm, I'm trying to find things throughout our organization that we can monetize so that we can leverage them for fundraising and uh, put someone's name on it, basically, <laughs> is the easy way to, to think about it. Um, so it's a very, it's much more isolated role, but I'm the kind of person who I really love working in teams and getting feedback and being super involved and all that. So it didn't, it never felt lonely. And I got the support of the rest of the team really, uh, really well throughout the term. So I, it was very, very rewarding. And yeah, the experience of meeting with like um, partners at uh, massive firms is just was crazy. Like that was uh, like EY, you know, I got to meet with like senior partners at EY and senior directors at RBC and stuff like that, which was, you know, if it taught me anything, it's that everyone's just people. And, you know, no matter what someone's title is, they're just a person. So 
just go in being yourself, being genuine and uh, as prepared as you possibly can be. And people will, will resonate with that. So I had an awesome experience though overall. I really loved it. That sounds like a, like a really heavy role um, though. Um, how was the like learning curve from being LCP to kind of being on the national team? Was it like a giant difference kind of? Yeah, so I think every role in ISIC is like this where you, uh, you at most have like one year of experience in your previous role, um, but it builds over time. So you're always building on those kind of core skills of uh, you know, being solution oriented, um, all that stuff, you know, your time management, your, your problem solving, et cetera. So all you're building on those skills over time. And when I went into it, the other thing about, uh, like ISIC is we do a lot more training than most places do. Um, so the, the member committee transition is quite long. The only thing that cut it off was that my uh, predecessor went on to the international team. So, but despite that, I basically spent like two weeks, like being her twin. <laughs> like I was just with her all day, all night, going to every meeting, meeting everyone, going through all of her processes. And it really is that, that, like I was saying before, what are you going to do about it? If something bad comes up or you need to figure something out, you've got years and years of alumni to lean on as well, especially my position, because um, it is such an important piece of the of revenue for the organization. Um, and it's pretty much all on me, right? There, there's no LCs who are can perform better or worse that my job will depend on. It's all, how did I perform? So that means the board of, it, of directors for ISIC Canada puts a lot of time and resources into me. Like every board meeting we had, a large portion of it was just discussion around what I was doing. Um, and I got a lot of coaching from them. And a lot of the people on that board previously had my position. So that part of it was like, actually, I think what really helped was realizing at the start of the year, I started late as well, because I actually didn't get the position at first. Uh, I got rejected and then got <laughs> accepted later. So I came on late and I had to take the, it was good that I had such a big humbling from my local committee president term, because I went into it thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I need to equip myself as best as possible, talk to as many people as possible, get all the resources and stuff, because otherwise I'm going to fail, right? I can't have any ego about this. It's one year, I have to get it done. Um, so that was really important for me as being humble going into it and leveraging that rather than being anxious about it saying okay that means it's my duty to become as informed and and equipped as I can that sounds so demanding but also so rewarding like a really good balance um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, what were some of your favorite memories though like some of the highlights <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah there's uh there's a couple I mean oh conferences maybe yeah definitely conferences um like obviously bringing in uh, actually i felt really weird at uh national leadership development conference that was that's the one that's kind of the flagship so about of my one third of revenue that i'm bringing in about a third of that is all dependent on one day 
called the Youth to Business Forum. Uh, so one third of the revenue I generated was just from that one day. And that's a day that I've prepped for like the entire year doing planning and waiting to execute on. And that's when all the partners come in. And I was, normally people are really anxious. I remember the day of just being like almost bored. I was like, uh, I feel a weird sense of not being anxious at all. And everything went super smoothly. And I was just like, wow, (laughs) this wasn't really like, I was expecting to be freaking out, but it went so smoothly that I was like, this is really strange, but also obviously like super rewarding. And um, yeah, it was, it was unreal to go through. Like I I felt like I was dreaming the whole time. Like it wasn't really happening. Um, So that was when the national Congress. So the one before that, the halfway point, I was going through a really, well, right before then, I, I was going through a really hard patch in my uh, my term, like a lot of failure and, and roadblocks that I was trying to move through. But then by the time that National Congress actually hit, I was doing really well again. And so um, it was good. That was an awesome conference because especially this one session I ran where we were celebrating the 60th anniversary of ISIC in Canada. And this was a responsibility I took super seriously. So I had this panel and it was like this whole thing about it basically. And that was just really touching. I really, really loved that. I got pretty emotional too. And like I alluded to earlier, this is a bit egotistical of me and narcissistic, but like I said, I got rejected at first and then accepted later. And uh, my, my boss, my, MC president was like, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. And so my ego was like, oh, (laughs) in front of everyone. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) So so that made me feel really great. But in general, um, that conference was was really incredible. How about um, with just like the whole MC team or the NC team? um, Do you guys live together in Toronto? Because I heard that about the past um, or the current team, they like all yep. together in the South. Yeah. So the the current team, or I guess, is it still like the team after, right after mine? Let's see, I ended, they would have started. No. We're two after my team, right? Yeah. So the team after mine moved house, but the MC in Canada, yes, has always lived together um in the same house so it was like six to nine people depending on the time of year the house that we lived in was like falling apart like complete trash that's why the one after us left so um but yeah yeah because it was emerson and then now it's been fruit right yeah yeah um so uh and who's the new mcp did they elect someone yet uh, Alicia. Alicia's awesome. Fantastic. Great. Um, yeah. So the MC does all live in a house together, which is an also, also very interesting experience. <laughs> I can imagine there'd be, it'd be great for team building and all that, but also just conflict. You're all going through your own, like mitigating problems together. You have to decompress in the same environment. This probably, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like, uh, most of us were pretty like good at separating living from work but we also got along all as friends really well so like we were constantly um 
it was it was good because half of us were kind of partiers and half of us weren't we're super homebodies so but we connected over i brought my nintendo switch and so we would play video games while drinking that was kind of our <laughs> compromise there and we would hang out in our um in our living room and that was a lot of fun we we bonded a lot and i really enjoyed uh living with them all yeah what was like the the work hours like because i don't know if it's like a regular job that you work nine to five or you just kind of have a lot of tasks to do by a certain time how was everyone kind of working together in Omaha? yeah so it depends on the position so i'd say mcp is the one where you never stop working basically like that's the one where you've signed your year off uh um to isaac but you know that's what you want so if you're in one of the uh operational portfolios so going our incoming exchange then you obviously have to cater to the fact that people have school during the day usually right so you're gonna have to take your calls with your your delegations at weird hours so like uh, dominique was um outgoing exchange during my term and uh, she was taking calls at like seven or eight or same with uh, Farah incoming exchange. She was taking calls later after like our normal closing hours at, at home because they just had to, right? I had the luxury of, you know, I was basically doing eight to six at the latest because I was working, I was going on meetings at people's office hours, right? So companies don't want to meet past that anyways. It's not really much else I can do. So I was probably always in the office the earliest because since they, the rest of the team members would have later calls, commission calls, they would usually come in at around 10, but that was kind of our, our, you have to be there block was 10 to four. And then you had to be there for at least a total of eight hours. So either it's 10 to six or eight to four or whatever. Um, but obviously if you have meetings, you have meetings. So you, you do them when you have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was regular hours just because we we only see the team during conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it looks like so much fun and everyone obviously <laughs> working. So yeah. I was just wondering if they really work like the nine to five. Type yeah, so with conferences, each day you work on a weekend, you get half a day off. So usually that's why the, the MC is always off the day after a conference. They're like not online is because that's the the time they're supposed to be getting in their employment contract. Yeah, I can't imagine working like the whole entire conference, especially we just had um, National Congress and it was five days long, mm -hmm. I think. And it's so like, even just for us as members, like it's so much- It's time. longer for the MC. It's more like yeah. 10 days long <laughs> for the MC. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, it can be a bit draining, but I mean, it actually like big conferences like that and you you get a taste of it once you start getting on like the conference teams because you can be a facilitator or a, um you can be a facilitator right or uh something like that beforehand before you get on the mc or you can be part of an organizing committee being behind the scenes is actually a really cool experience you get this real camaraderie between uh the rest of the team and yourself so it's that's a really fun experience. Like even my, my LCP term, we hosted a national leadership development conference. And like my, I was super invested and involved because that was the first national conference SFU had hosted. 
since we almost bankrupt the, the entity. So it was, that was really great. Uh, I love being behind the scenes on conferences. Yeah, so let's just pause the clip here and um, come back with the next segment on your experience with Isaac post-exchange and what you've gone on to do now. So we'll be back, Isaac and SFU.